Well, so glad that y'all are here. So glad that we're in worship together as we continue this series on prayer. Earlier this week, I saw this um, photo online and um, led to a story that I read. And I just thought it was so interesting, so powerful, and I thought really relevant for us this morning. If you see this, this picture of this young lady up on the screen, her name's Maria Andercheck, And she is a Polish javelin thrower who just recently won a silver medal at the last Olympics. And the story goes that she had gotten home back to Poland and she'd had her medal and she was really proud of the fact that like, you know, she won. She was proud of the fact that forever she could say she was a silver medalist in the Olympics. She was, you know, super proud of that. But she realized that the actual medal itself meant very little to her, but was actually pretty valuable. And so, (coughs) excuse me. So later, she finds out about this young boy in her community that was waiting to get this heart surgery, this um, kind of repaired heart as a little infant. It was going to cost the family like $150,000. They didn't know where the money was going to come from. They were really struggling to like figure out how this was going to work. And so um, she had this idea. She said, you know what? I'm going to auction off my medal and take all the money that I get from the medal and I'm going to help this little boy. And so she goes on her Facebook page, starts posting about it and start, you know, the money starts raising up. It's in the like $20,000, $30,000 range and people start start to like get a little wind of the story. And then there's this grocery chain in Poland that heard about the story. And so they reached out to her and they said, you know, how much is the surgery? And they just kind of went and trumped everybody in the auction and said, Hey, we're going to give you the full $150,000. They hold this little press conference where they get together and they tell the family that they're going to cover this thing for this little boy. And she's able to like use this thing that's been given her to do all this good. And then at the end of the press conference, the grocery store guy leans over to her. He says, and Hey, just, we want you to know, we don't really even care about the metal either. Why don't you keep it? And they give it back to her, right? And so it's like kind of this cool, like full circle kind of thing where you see this generosity starts to play itself out. But as I, as I watched that story unfold, I thought it was really a good picture of this idea of intercession, okay? And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning in prayer, this idea of interceding for other people in our prayers, okay? And so as we do that, what we do is we really become the bridge between two groups of people or two different entities, right? Where we get to be the one that comes into the middle and to intercede to build that bridge between the two. And so in this story, right, we see this really clear physical intercession where she says, I have this thing and I see these people at need and I'm going to connect them with people that money and we are going to make things happen here. But for us as followers of Jesus, for us as people who believe in God, who believe in the reality of the Holy Spirit that moves in us, like when we pray, our role as people who pray is to intercede. Right? We take someone who we see that has a need and we get in and we become the bridge between them and our Heavenly Father where we advocate for them and we become the bridge. We become the intercessors in the middle who build that bridge and allow God to do great things. And not, not that we allow God to do great things, but that in that moment, right, as we're praying, we advocate for them, for God to do great things in those moments. And so that's intercession. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And now we've been talking about this idea of prayer and I'm um, I've mentioned to you over the last couple of weeks, um, there's a guy named Pete Gregg who has this great little, um, great little uh, outline that I love to follow, this word pray. But the, the mantra that we've been leading through the last couple of weeks is this idea in our prayer lives that we would be people who pray more over these couple of weeks and that as we seek to be people who pray more, that we would keep it simple, that we'd keep it real, and that we'd keep it up, right? That's been our mantra. Keep our prayers simple, keep them real, and keep them up. And as we do that, we've given you this little template to kind of guide us through this time of prayer. 
prayer, right? And it's not a formula that says, you know, like two plus two is four. And if you pray this thing, like you get a new car, right? Like it's not that kind of prayer, but it's really a template that allows us to have better conversation, that allows us to have better intercession time with God. Because I know that when I'm in a bad place with my prayer life, and when I know that I've kind of not been very disciplined with it, that what I'll end up doing is I'll start praying and I'll say, dear God, give me all the things that I want. And quite frankly, after about five minutes, that gets pretty boring to even me, right? And there's just this sense of like, I feel like there's more to this than just like my Christmas wish list. And so as we begin to put some framework around that, right, it helps us to have more meaningful, prayerful conversation. And so the acronym we've been using is this word pray, right? We begin with the P and we pause and we just slow down. And we live such rushed, busy, hurried lives and we buy into this lie that our worth is in our productivity. And if we can just get a little bit more done before we go home, then we're going to be better people and we're going to like be able to show everybody how great we are about how much we've been able to get done. But there's this sense of like Sabbath, right? Where we pause and we rest and we let God be God in so much of our lives. And we don't have to do everything. We don't have to get everything done all the time, but that we can rest and believe, right? That God is with us. And so we pause and we be still. And that's hard for people who are rushed everywhere we go and have to deal with all the traffic on 98. But thankfully, it's a little better, right? These days, post-summer. And we get to to pause and just be still and know that God is God. Second thing we do is we say that we rejoice. That we give thanks to who God is, right? We give thanks for the grace upon grace that we've been shown in our lives. We give thanks for the reality of the gospel and that Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and what that means for us. And so we rejoice in that. And then we shift gears a little bit and we give thanks for the things in our lives, right? For the people, the relationships, all the different things that we've experienced and the grace upon grace that we've received. And then we shift gears into this A and we ask. And last week we preached about how we ask for prayers for ourselves. But one of the things that we talked a lot about that I think is so crucial and so important is that those prayers of asking for ourselves really prioritize character over comfort, right? That we prioritize who we are, not just the things that we want and the things that we get. And that we don't just want shiny outside cups, right? We want to be clean on the inside because this life, this way of Jesus flows from the inside out. And so we want to be filled that God would fill us with character. And as we go through trials, sure, we want to pray for good outcomes. But we also pray that as we go through that journey, that God would shape us, form us, transform us. So that in any situation, any circumstance we encounter, right, our lives overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. With love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, goodness. All of those things, right, because that becomes who we are. And so we pray for character over comfort. And then next week we're going to talk about yielding and being able to pause and say yes to God and what that looks like. But today we're going to hang on that A for one more week. Last week we talked about asking things for ourselves. And this thing, this week we're going to talk about asking God for things on behalf of others, right? And what that looks like and how we live that out. And so if you've ever been to Publix, the grocery store in town, and you had something on your grocery list and you turned down, you saw a little square that hangs on the aisle tag and it says BOGO and you get to buy one, get one. And you're just like, yes, home run, right? We've all had that. Amens for that. Yeah, that's good. Well, good news. At church today, you're getting a BOGO. All right. I'm actually going to give you two sermons today, but they're going to only be the same time and the same price as one. Okay. And so we're, we're going to walk through this at the start of like, what does it look like for us to pray for other people specifically? And then I want to shift gears a little bit and pray and say, what does it look like for us to pray 
for groups of people? What does it look like for us to pray for our community in specific as a whole? And how do we do that? And how do we live that out as a local church really well to pray as a group for a group and what that looks like? So if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to start off on this idea of praying for individuals. And there's a quote up here on the screen. Um, if you have your Bibles, Exodus 17 is where we're going to be going. And if you look up on the screen, there's this little quote by this philosopher named Blaise Pascal. And he says, God has instituted prayer to bestow upon his creatures the dignity of causality. Okay, that's a big way to say that, right? God has bestowed upon his creatures the dignity of causality. In essence, what that's getting at is like, we have free will. Right? Like we, we get to choose how we spend our money. We get to choose how we spend our time. We get to choose how we spend our words. We get to choose how we invest in our relationships. Like we have been gifted with this idea that like we can walk out of this room and do whatever we want to do. And we've been gifted with that. And so how do we use that? How do we leverage that? How do we live in the reality of that? And we've also been gifted this gift of causality in a spiritual sense in that when we pray... God responds to that. And so what do we do with that? How do we live into that? And how do we order our lives and our prayer lives specifically in a life that admits and confesses and knows and believes that prayer changes things? And so if we see that, if we know that, if we believe that, how have we ordered our lives of prayer? And so this passage of Exodus in Exodus 17, 10 to 13, it's just a short couple verses, but in it we see this real interesting kind of thing that's going on at play here. And when we look at the scriptures, there's different kinds of scripture, right? We know that there's poetry in the Psalms. We know there's songs in the Psalms. We see some descriptors in different places. And, and some scriptures are really helpful for us in the sense that they are descriptive of what's going on. And some scriptures are really helpful for us because they're prescriptive and they're like telling us how to live and what to do. And so this passage right here, it's a little bit of both, but more than anything, what we see at the beginning of Exodus is we're getting this introduction to this God who is different than any other God these people have ever encountered. We look at this God of Israel and we see this as a personal God who wants to be a part of his people. We see this God who wants to advocate for his people, this God who responds to the pleas and the calls of his people. And so as we see this, and we're seeing these character developments of who God is, as we look through these stories, in chapter 17, verse 10, we get this picture of a God who responds to the prayers of his people. And so as we look at it, it says, so Joshua, it says, he fought the Amicalites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. It says, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amicalites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. And then Joshua overcame the Amicalite army with his sword. And so there's this idea, right? We see this picture of a God who responds to the pleas of Moses. Like we see this, this picture of a God who, when his people advocate for the things that are in the will of God, like those things begin to change and begin to happen differently. And so we get to look at that and say, as God's people, there's this reality. We've been gifted with the gift of causality. We see that when God's people pray to him, God responds to that and intercedes in that behalf. And we get to change things with our prayers. And that is a huge responsibility that's been entrusted to us. And I bet many of you in this room could tell stories about how you have experienced that transformation in your life. And for me, I know that I've seen that. I was born um, in August 6th. I'm sorry, April 6th. <laughs> Got that right? April 6th, 1980, in a little town called Ottawa, Illinois. 
And then my grandfather was a pastor in the town at that time. And they've told me since I was a little kid. They said, we just want you to know that we pray for you every single day. And so I was driving in this morning. And I grabbed my phone and I asked Siri. I said, Siri, how many days has it been since April 6th, 1980? And Siri told me that it has been 15,113 days. And so as I think about that, right, my grandparents have paid for, prayed for me at least 15,113 times throughout the course of my life. And I just know beyond the shadow of a doubt, like I know that I know that I know that those prayers have shaped and formed me. I know that God has blessed those prayers and honored those prayers. And I've probably been entrusted and gifted with things in my life that I would have not deserved or received otherwise. But God has answered their prayers in my life. And I felt that and I've seen that. And we get the opportunity to do that for others. We get the opportunity to advocate for the people in our lives. We get the opportunity to pray in that prayers that, you know, sometimes we see immediate change, but we also get to pray those river prayers, right? That just keep coming over the same rock over and over and over and over again. And sometimes it takes time to begin to see that change, but that consistency, God honors that and God rewards that in our prayer lives. And so I want to give you just a quick kind of few bullet points this morning of ways that we can pray well for others and to give us just a little framework to do that within. And so the first thing I would say as we pray for others is that we would get informed. And now that sounds simple, but that we would be serious about what we're praying for. And oftentimes I think the things that we really need to be praying for, right? This idea of praying for character over comforts is that we really begin to pray for the thing that's below the thing, right? And you know how that goes in your life. And you probably have those instances and situations where we're like, you know, we're praying for our daughter to find a great place to go off to school at and she's touring colleges. And that's wonderful that we pray that she finds the right college. But we know that there's probably more at play in that decision that are much more spiritual matters, that are much deeper matters that are going into that decision. And so how do we begin to pray for the things that are below the things, right? How do we begin to pray for the transformative character shaping things that are going on in our lives? And so we want to pray specific for others because when we pray specific things, we see specific results. And it was so great last week when y'all filled out those cards. If you were here last week, many of you filled out cards for our staff and our prayer teams to be praying for you. And it was just an honor and a privilege and such a community builder for us last week to be able to hear from you about the needs in your lives and the things that you're hoping for and leaning towards and praying for. And for us to be able to come alongside you and pray for those things with you. And as we've been able to do that, right, we've seen relationship grow. We've seen faith grow. We've seen so much change in just that one week of being able to step into those places with you. And so we thank you for that. But the reason that we know what to pray for is because we asked you what to pray for. And I think that's something that we can really be disciplined in our prayer lives as we intercede, as we advocate for others, that we're willing to ask that question of, hey, what can I be praying for you for? And as we seek to build community and to build healthy gospel-centered relationships, we need to also be people who are willing to answer that question honestly and to say what the real struggles and challenges actually are in our lives so that folks can be advocating for us in that. Second thing I'd say, first, get informed. Second, that we get inspired. And when I say inspired, I mean inspired by the scriptures, inspired by the word of God, about the way that we pray for each other. And it can be really tempting and it can be really simple to kind of um, have this like almost passive aggressive prayer life where really we just try to get you to do what we want you to do. And we use prayer as the way to do that, right? And there's a sense that we just pray like our good ideas over you. And when we look at your life and the situation, the circumstance that maybe it's not what I think it should be. And so I just start to pray that you would do what I want you to do, right? I begin to pray my kingdom come over your life. 
But there's a difference when we pray, thy kingdom come over your life. And we look at situations and circumstances that are going on in somebody's life and we say, I'm going to pray, you know, what I would think God's put on my heart to pray for you, but I'm also going to go into the scriptures and I'm going to begin to pray these scriptures over your life, right? And so we get a situation where maybe somebody's waiting for some news. They're waiting to hear about a job. They're waiting to hear about a decision somebody else is making that's going to impact their life. They're waiting to hear some results on a test. They're waiting for a, you know, a test to come back from school, whatever. you know. And, and in that waiting, like our anxiety, right, our fears can just start to swell up. We can start to play all these games in our mind and we start to like go into all these other places about the things that we think and how that's going to shape us and what's going to happen. And we start doing the worst case scenario game and all those kind of things, right? And the temptation there is to just pray that they would do what I do when I'm in a situation like that. And that may be whatever that is for you. But what does it look like to a little differently for us to go to Scripture and to say, how do we pray Scripture over that situation, right? If you read Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, right? It talks about the things that we think about. And we begin to pray that Scripture over that situation. We say, God, we pray that your Spirit would guide them to think about what is true. We pray that your Spirit would guide them to think about what is honorable, about what is right, about what is pure, what is lovely, what is good. And if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, God, would you help them to fix their mind on those things? Right? And that's, that's a different kind of prayer. Like that's an advocate to say, God, we want, we want not my kingdom come on their lives, but we want your will to be done in their lives. And this is the character that we see in the scriptures of who we're called to be. And so God, I pray that you would bless them with that. Right? And we see that those are different about getting inspired. It's not just what I want. But it's about who God calls them to be. The next thing I'd say is that um, we would get real serious in our prayer lives. And I know that can feel like that would go without saying. But um, what I've seen over and over about um, the way that we pray for each other. And the way that people engage with people that need prayer. Is that when it's something that we're comfortable with. We're very comfortable with it. Right? But when it's something that we're uncomfortable with. We're very uncomfortable with it. Like that's people. Right? That's us. But I think for us as the church, I think for us who are living gospel-centered lives, our call is to go into the mess, right? Our call is to be light in the dark places. Our call is to go into the challenging, difficult circumstances and be Jesus in that place, right? And so as we go in, as we represent Christ in those conversations, as we come in that place, allowing the Spirit to guide us and lead us, right? We get to step into really hard, difficult things, and one of the things I've experienced as a pastor over and over and over again is that when someone experiences something just like really catastrophic, you know, something that's just like really hard to fathom, maybe it's an unexpected death, you know, diagnoses, those kind of things. When people make mistakes that are really big and really public, when people go through really challenging times that like we just don't quite know what to do or like a sin comes into light that just feels really big and really heavy. That there's a temptation for us as fellow believers, as fellow followers of Jesus, right? To look at that and be like, well, that one's just a little out of my league. And so we just step back. And I think there's a real spiritual battle that starts to take place in those moments. Because I think in those moments, everything that we need to do is to lean into those hard times. To lean into those difficult situations. And if you look at those circumstances and be like, well, you know what they did. How can I pray for them? They're such a difficult, you know, selfish, non-humble, arrogant, whatever, jerk person. And we say, well, how are we supposed to pray for people like that? I think one way that we pray for people like that is to remember that we are people like that. 
And when we see that and when we know that and we can get to our humble place and we can go to that place where we can advocate for them and their difficulties and their challenges as hard, as uncomfortable as they may be. And you may not know what to say and that's okay. But I'll tell you, there's a really simple thing to just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Say, hey, what what specifically can I be praying for you today? And we don't have to come with an agenda. We don't have to come trying to figure it all out. But we can enter into that space of prayer and that space of intercession for them without having all the answers. And we can show up and be for them, the people that they need to be in their lives in those difficult circumstances and situations. So for us as the church, right? Like we go into the dark. We go into the mess. We go into the challenging situations. And we show up there with the hope and the reality and the transformative message of the gospel that we have experienced and bring it into those places. Okay? The last thing I'd say is that we get in sync. Right? That means we get others involved. That there comes times where there's situations where we say, hey, we as a church, we as a people, we as a small group, we as a neighborhood, we as friends, we as a family, whatever. Like we're going to come together around this issue and we're going to be praying for you. And we've experienced this in our family a couple years ago. Right before we moved here, about five years ago, Rachel had some open heart surgery up in Birmingham. And we go back to this picture often and it comes up about once a year in our family. Because during her surgery, a group of her friends got together in Mobile where we were living at the time. And they said, you know what? We're just going to pray for you during this surgery. Like when you, this time you're scheduled to be under the knife, like we're going to gather together. We're going to sync up and we're going to get in this place and we're going to intercede and advocate on your behalf to our Heavenly Father together at this time right and we look back at that and man that's so like powerful to us in our lives like we just still remember all those people who said you know there's like such a community building experience when we come together to advocate and to intercede for others on their behalf and you see when we do that it shapes us it changes us when we hold our hands up in prayer for them together like we read about a minute ago right like when we do that not only does it bless them but we see how God begins to use that to shape and to form us as well And so we see that, right? And the question I'll ask you at the beginning of your first sermon today is, who is it that you're praying for right now? Who is it that you are interceding for? Who is it that's mess you've seen and the difficult and the challenge that you've seen that you've chosen to step into and say, you know what? I am here with you, hands held up, praying that God would move in your life in this situation. And so I want to challenge you with that this morning. And if you don't have somebody like that in your life, that this week, that you just make that a part of your prayer life this week, that you just reach out to somebody in a situation or a circumstance, whatever that may be, and that you just simply reach out and say, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Is there something specific I can be praying for you for? And I know you hear that and like some of you may be like, oh, that's for like the pro-Christians. But I really want you to know, like if you're in the room today, like that's for you, Okay. And I think for some of us, like, that's a real good next step of learning to say, hey, how do we live our faith out loud? How do we live our faith? And it's not just this internal my thing in the closet, but I want to begin to, like, live this out. And I know that there can be all kinds of uh, feelings around that. I think some of us feel like, well, that's not what guys do, right? Well, no, I think it is what guys do. And I think we really, when we look at the beginning to the end of the scriptures, prayer is in every part of it, right? It's who we are as followers of Jesus, as people of prayer. And so we want to live this out. I have a mentor of mine. His name is Matthew Hartsfield. He's a pastor at a church in Tampa, Florida. And about every other week on a Monday morning, he'll text me and he'll just say, Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. What can I be praying for you for? And, you know, when he first sent him, I used to sit at the breakfast table with Rachel. And I'd be like, what a jerk. Can you believe that he would just want to pry into my business like that? 
No, I didn't say that, right? Because no one says that, right? But like we think that's what people are going to say when we do that. But like we we don't, right? Like in all the times I've sent that text, no one has ever been like, you know, delete that number. No one's like, hey, quit calling, you know, quit caring. Like I just, I've never gotten that text. Maybe you have, but like I've never experienced that. And I think when we do that and we have the courage and the faith to just press through that awkwardness and to press through that uncomfortableness that we get in around that sometimes and do that, I think God blesses it and we see the blessing on both sides of it. And so I challenge you to reach out to somebody this week and just say, hey, I want you to know I'm lifting my hands up. I'm praying for you this week. I'm on your team. If there's something I can do, I want you to know I'm here. And I want to pray for the thing behind the thing, right? Not just the thing. I'm going to pray scripture over you and I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to let you know that like you are not alone in this. You see, when we do that, we start to build these communities. We start to build relationships. We start to live out the reality of the gospel in our lives. And that we get to be people who advocate and intercede for others. And God responds to that. And so I hope we use that well. Amen? Sermon one's over. Time to go to the free one. It's a little shorter, too. So as we look at this um, second part here, I want us to talk about what it looks like to um, pray as a group for our community. And there's this passage in 2 Chronicles, and it's um, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse um, 14. And as we look at this, to, to give it a little context right here, you know, this is, this I think is a little bit prescriptive in, the, in this passage. And you have this group that's building this temple. And as they're building this temple, right, there's this, this idea that like this is going to be the life is going to be built around this place. This is the place they go to worship. This is going to be the center of the community. This is going to be like the place that is built on behalf of God's people to God in worship right? This is home. This is where it is. And as they're going through this process, God begins to speak down to them. And he says a bunch of things, but we're just going to slip into verse 14 right here. And as God's talking to him in this moment of like the building of this community, in essence, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So God says, like, like this, is, this is how this intercession works. Like, if you want to humble yourselves, and you want to advocate on behalf of this whole group, and if you want to humble yourselves and say, you know, God, we want to turn from our evil ways, and we want to experience that forgiveness, and we want healing in our land. And so what I want to challenge you to do this week is, aside from praying for, for somebody else specifically, is that you'd take some time to pray for our community. And so outside in the lobby as you came in this morning, um, there's two big uh, maps on the wall back there. And there's a bunch of highlighters and a bucket in the middle. And we've just been encouraging folks to say, hey, we want you to pray for our community this week. And we want you to take that highlighter after the service, if you'd be so kind, as to just go grab that highlighter, circle a neighborhood, highlight some streets, whatever you want it to be, and that this week you'd commit to just go driving it, walking it, biking it, whatever you want to do on it, right? And that you just spend some time praying for our community over that place. And that we as a church together would just come and we would do that. That if, I, if our people who are called by my name will humble ourselves, pray and seek God's face, that God would bring healing, God would bring wholeness, and God would bring restoration to our community. And so as we do that, I just wanted to spend a couple minutes here sharing with you what it is that, that I want to be praying for our community. And as I look around our community and as I look at us as a church and say, you know, how can we be God's people, live in the reality of the gospel, live in as transformed people who have experienced the grace of Jesus, and we want to live in response to that into this unique place, what does that look like? And so I think there's a lot of unique challenges that we face as a community, as people who live here and call this place home. 
And so if I was going to, you know, when I do this this week and I drive my car and, you know, go around and pray over our community, these are some of the things that I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying for deep, gospel-centered, on-mission relationships for everybody in this community. It can be a hard place to find community. Um, some of you live in neighborhoods where you got new neighbors every week. You go to the grocery store, you don't know if they're from Mississippi, Montana, or, you know, down the street. Right? There's a sense of like, it's always in a constant state of flux. There's different people, different places all the time. I know hearing from you, some of you just feel that way at church. Like, I don't know if these people, who's on vacation, who lives here, who's in my neighborhood, right? And that can be a really challenging thing for us. And a lot of us, we move here and you spend the first year living with all your people in the place you used to live, right? Because there are a lot of them coming down to visit. Your family heard you got a house near the beach, and so they're coming, right? And so all of a sudden, you got all these new friends that live in other places, right? And you, but, but that first year can feel like this really slow churn to kind of feeling like we actually live here. I've just heard that story over and over and over again. And so my hope and my prayer for everybody in our community is that as we, as we live life here, that we would be put in relationship with people who are going to push us to be on more mission in our lives. People that are going to challenge us and people who are going to grow in faith with us. And then we would have relationships that are centered around the reality of the gospel that are going to change us and transform us and call us and grow us and shape us into the people that God wants us to be. Another thing that I would pray is that we would be able to live on mission. Right? I think there, for some of us, there's this tendency that like, you know, if we can just get to the beach, once we get there, we're just going to chill out and life's going to be good, right? You've heard the country song, right? I just want to get my butt in the sand and a beer in my hand and life's going to be good. Leave me alone. Right? And, and I, as I look through the scriptures, like that, that idea just doesn't seem to be there. Right? Like never is the end goal where it was like, hey, and then they just got to go live in a gated neighborhood by themselves and not have to talk to anyone. Like, that's never, like, the ended outcome here. There's this sense that it's like we're always on mission. If we're not dead, we're not done, right? And so how do we live on mission? How do we take the resources we've been given? How do we take the abilities that we've been given? How do we take the relationships and connections that we've been given and leverage them for the good of the kingdom of God in this place and beyond? Because when you look at all the influence, all the gifts that we have been given, all the graces that have been bestowed upon us in this community, there is extra money, there is extra bedrooms, there are extra cars, there are extra, you fill in the blank. And we can fall into this trap where we just think if the outside of the cup looks good, we're good. And I just hope and pray over every neighborhood, every house in our community that we would just not settle for more money and bigger stuff. But that we would be people who understand what it means to make a difference in this world. And that we would seek and beg and pray that God would give us vision for the next generation in our community. That God would give us vision for the poor around us. That God would give us a vision and an inspiration for those who are struggling with addiction. That whatever that may be, that God would just begin to put things on all of our hearts so that we can be the church in this place. And that it isn't just a place where we can go and escape and hide and not have to deal with the realities of this world but that we can begin to see the reality and the hurt and the pain and the struggle that is all around us and that we would live on mission to be light that goes into those difficult, dark places. So that's a big prayer for my community because I think we have that potential to just be absolutely transformative in so many ways. The brain power, the resources, the abilities, the connections that reside in this place, that when we just respond to the call of God in our lives and begin to orient the way that we live, not around what we can get, but around what we can give, I just think the potential is off the charts. And so what part do you play in that? And so I'm going to be praying that over every house, and I hope I'm praying over your street, and that I pray that for you. 
And so as we do that, as we look at that, that lobby out there in the wall to just think about what it looks like for our community to be humble in ourselves, to pray in over each other, and to say, God, help us to be on purpose, on mission, in this place together. I think if we humble ourselves and we do that, God will respond to that. And so um, they're going to come up and sing a song for us as we close here in the next few minutes. And what we wanted to do is just carve out a little space for you all this morning to just be still. And um, to carve out a few minutes to, you know, that P-R-A-Y, like to pause, to rejoice, and to give thanks. But then we want you to just ask God this morning. To say, God, who is it that you want me to reach out to this week? And we would allow God to put somebody on our hearts and we'd have the courage to step into that this week. And then the second thing is that we would pray that God would give us a burden for our community. And that we would be able to pray as we go on those prayer walks and as we pray over our community that God would just break our hearts for the things that breaks His. And that we pray over our neighbors, we pray over our communities, that God would just begin something in this community as this community is being formed and shaped that we would just have deep roots in the gospel. And that here we are in this unique time, in this unique season, and what part is it that we need to play in order to make that happen? And that we would just yield ourselves and say, God, whatever it is that you need from me to live on mission in this place at this time, I want to do it and I want to be it. And so that we would advocate for others. We take what's been given to us, this gift of causality, and say, God, we want to change this world and we want to do that with you and we want to be a part of it. So let's pray together. You have been listening to sermon audio from Good News Church in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. We have Sunday services at 815, 930, and 11. If you are interested in finding more information on our church or ways to get further involved, visit goodnewschurch.life. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you soon.